Hello and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly astrological podcast where we explore the themes for the month, the cosmic landscape. We give you tips and insights to navigate your life with more consciousness. So Stephanie, this is our podcast for June. And Today, what we're going to do is highlight a little bit about this Neptune-Jupiter trine. So let's start by talking about this because it really is kind of shaping the astrological landscape for June. Yes. So Jupiter is in Scorpio and Neptune, which for a while, right, and still is, is in Pisces. And both Scorpio and Pisces are both water signs. And throughout this year, actually beginning in December of 2017, Jupiter and Neptune have been in a harmonious aspect, which is Mm -hmm. called a trine. So just to sort of to mark the sort of time territory, the first of these Jupiter-Neptune trines was on December 2nd of 2012. We just had, no, The first of these Jupiter-Neptune trines was on December 2nd of 2017. The second one just recently happened on May 25th. And the final one will be on August 19th in a couple of months. So Jupiter, right, the planet that makes everything larger, it has an expansive quality. Jupiter also yields wisdom and learning in connection to Neptune in mm-hmm. Pisces, right? right so right. when I say Neptune in Pisces, what arises for you? Well, what I really, you know, as someone with their moon in Pisces and a lot of Scorpio in my chart, I have to say I'm really digging <laughs> this <laughs> no whole... Pun no <laughs> Right. This, this whole transit. And I, I, first of all, I love Jupiter and Scorpio because it, it, here you are talking about that large, expansive quality to that Scorpio kind of underground, that, that inner mystery and just giving us so much powerful insight into our psyche and, you know, what's kind of going on beneath the surface. And then you bring in that Neptune in Pisces, which is also, you know, really, you know, helpful in exploring the unconscious. And again, the psyche and those magical waters of, you know, of consciousness, right? And so together, those two combinations, I think they just work so well together. And I I don't know what your experience has been of this, but I do feel like I have really been stimulated to look a little bit deeper, you know what I mean, about what's really going on with me, whether psychologically and emotionally. Yeah, right. I mean, that the fact that by going deep and digging in, right, to going to the realms of, you know, your psyche, the depths of your psyche, the depths of your emotion that there also lays the healing, right? Right, right. And also, like, I feel like it lays the healing, resides the healing, as well as, right, Neptune and Pisces, that knowingness that we are all somehow connected. Yes. And so realizing, like, okay, what also may be arising in me may be personal, and it may not be personal whatsoever. It may be me as a thread Mm -hmm. in this tapestry, Right. Of the collective, of the universal. collective conscious, the yes. universal. We are all one, which is such Piscean, Neptunian kind of language. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that really feels like that's opening up. I mean, I've definitely seen this this avenue really opened up in many people. Now, the thing too, right, is that Neptune, while Neptune does have us remember the connectivity, right, the one, that it's all unified, right, Um, that it reminds us of numinosity, of soulfulness, Mm -hmm. right, of healing. Neptune is also the planet that reminds us through that, right, that we're all connected so there's no boundaries, there's no borders. Right. Right, and also that striving for uh, that ideal, that that Mm. sort of original ideal of connectivity that Neptune represents. So also we've seen the other side, right, Jupiter making everything large and learning through showing more also the Neptune, the possible Neptune propensity for illusion yes, yes. or disillusionment where there's right. it's the fogginess of like, oh, it's foggy, but it, this is what it is. And it's like, no, actually, that's not really what it is. Right. And we've seen that. Yeah. You know, Neptune to me is always about what's real and what's not real. And we've talked about this before on the podcast with the whole Me Too movement and, you know, Hollywood. And, you know, Hollywood's just to me kind of a Neptunian town, right? Movies and pictures and creating illusions, right? And then here we have Scorpio, you know, coming in and just kind of, you know, that Jupiter revealing the underground and what's really going on and then you connect it to that Piscean healing and it's really kind of a cool thing. It's totally a cool thing and I was thinking about sharing this then I was like wait have I shared this already and do I sound like sort of a broken record on this but alas I still feel like sharing this because I think it's really interesting. You know five days before Jupiter went into Scorpio on October 5th we had the first of the New York Times reports about Harvey Weinstein. That's right. That's the, right. The day that it went into Scorpio on October 10th, Ronan Farrow in The New Yorker had his article about mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein. Then we come to December. This is actually what's fascinating to me is that I think it was on December 5th, what, which was three days after this first of the Jupiter-Neptune trines, we had the next bombshell by The New York Times. Right. Right. I think it was related to something about like the complicity mission of Hollywood and mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein. And we had that, which elevated that conversation and this collective conversation to another level. So again, just holding that like right around that Jupiter-Neptune trine. And then on May 25th, which was the next of the Jupiter-Neptune um, trines, Harvey Weinstein was arrested. Right. So it's right. just, re- and again, not that this is all about that. and and but, but it's a great archetype. It's a great archetype, right? Again, in terms of like we, you know, this sort of the fog and sort of the mm. cover up and not just with him, but in terms of all of this. But we've like dug deep Jupiter and Scorpio mm-hmm. to reveal and also perhaps gain more clarity in what was foggy where boundaries didn't exist or you weren't allowed to stand for your boundaries. That's such a Jupiter, not Jupiter, but a Neptune Pisces thing. And then do we want to bring in Venus now? Because we have Venus, the planet of love and relationships and beauty in Cancer, joining this very harmonious trine. So we've got Cancer, a water sign, we've got Scorpio, and we've got Pisces. So how do you think Venus is going to come into play? Yeah, so it's interesting, right, because we can say like, oh, there's this Jupiter-Neptune trine, but oftentimes we see these energies really take root when a personal planet joins the mix, right? Right. The sun, the moon, Venus, Mars, Mercury. So on 
June 1st and June 2nd, right, we start the month with this, Venus, as you were saying, in Cancer, connects to Jupiter and Neptune, forming this grand trine in water. You know, Venus, the planet of what do I value? Mm. What has value to me? And importantly, my connection to my sense of value. You know, Venus, we traditionally talk about in terms of relationships and love Mm -hmm. and riches and money and art, right? Mm -hmm. So if you connect Venus to Jupiter, like expand by digging and Neptune in Pisces, which is like compassion and empathy on one side, right? We could really just think about relationships. I mean, it can be a time where we, you know, connect to a deeper level. Maybe there's, you know, we get to a place where we really feel connected to forgiving another Mm -hmm. or forgiving ourselves Mm -hmm. for the the role we played in a relationship. We, We break through sort of other stuck places and we come to a deeper sense of love, mm, you know, yes. real, that deep love that's at the undercurrent and, and the, the, the sort of the underplace, that's the word that's not coming to me, like the foundation right. of it all, right? So the inspiration for relationships can be incredible. I mean, tapping in also to what is beautiful to me, what is richness mm, to me, mm-hmm. you know, poetry, art, dance, whether it's a thing you do these, you create these yourselves, or you find more inspiration, it touches you, it speaks to you on a deeper level. Like this is some of what we are opening up to as the month begins. And of course, there's the other side of it. But before we sort of go into that other side, like, what do you well, think? Well, the other What's thing that's coming to my mind is, you know, bringing in the whole cancer piece, you know, because yeah. Venus is in cancer. And, you know, cancer represents many things. But I oftentimes think about it, it's like home and family and our ancestors, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see if anything, you know, comes up for people around your, con- what is home? What is family? You know what I mean? What are those deeper connections with those that have come before you? And And one of the things that I love about Pisces is Pisces also rules the imagination. And so when you bring in this whole imagination piece, it's like, you know, giving yourself permission maybe to go into imagining, you know, uh, some different worlds or how you would like your life to be, or even like playing with the idea of, you know, Scorpio represents symbols and images and archetypes, is how can those symbols and images come alive to you? And maybe how can they represent any kind of knowledge or wisdom that you want to uncover about your ancestral past? You know, what's coming to mind, this would be a great time to pull a tarot card, you know, or to use the archetypes of the throne, the symbols of the throne to help you kind of discern or uncover information. And I know that was a pretty broad loop (laughs) there. Yeah, no, that was great. I mean, it was really connected to you know, what this inspiration is. You know, and I also think too, like, you know, although I'm off, I'm off to see sort of the glass half full, you know, mm-hmm. like there's always that thing about seeing really the other side, right? Right, that right. Neptune with Jupiter, even the water signs are not all just like 
bliss, love, harmony, and unicorns, <laughs> right? I mean, Neptune, again, in that striving for the ideal, right? Sometimes we want that so much that we create that for ourselves, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And so it does feel like this Jupiter-Neptune trine, and notably, you know, in the beginning of the month, and we're going to talk about the mid-month in a second, how this comes back up, it may also be a time where we see, like, have I related to love? Have I related to relationships? You know, have I seen something that isn't there? Right. Right. An and, illusion. And an, an illusion. Right. Or, or, you know, and so that itself may feel like connect us to a deep wave mm-hmm. of sorrow or of sadness, you know, mm-hmm. really sort of coming to terms with that on, and sort of on a constructive side. You know, maybe that's an exercise for the first couple of days is really sort of bringing out your sort of, you know, illusion radar and saying, OK, like, <laughs> where is it or your compass? Where is right. it that I haven't like if I really admit it? Where I've been making something into something that maybe it isn't. Right. You know, and as hard as that may be, the value of that. Yes. You know, dancing with the illusion and re-relating with that illusion itself can be so valuable. Again, I think relating to your relationship with other people, but I also think relating to that sense of like, you know, maybe it's the illusion that has kept you from feeling a greater sense of richness in your life. Mm-hmm. You know, the illusion like, I can't, I'm not good enough. I mean, right. that itself right. might be your illusion. Right, right. And I think, the you know, the thing you're talking about, whenever we talk about illusion, of course, it always brings up disillusionment, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, the shadow of Pisces is that, you know, it's like, oh, my God, I thought it was going to be this, and now it's not, and I'm completely devastated, right? And so to how do you dance with that disillusionment or coming to the truth, you know? And there's that Scorpio, which is all about transformation, and maybe that's the context is not like, um, well, I guess that's not real, Mm. is to look at the opportunity to transform something by digging deeper and looking through that illusion, right, without going into Pisces, which is martyrdom and sacrifice and victimization, right? How can you go into that and allow yourself to be transformed? I hear you say that, and that really brings up a lot for me, right? Like, to take, as you're saying, that disillusionment, you know, or even what seems like maybe an illusion you realize you had, and actually put that, like, in the vessel, like, in the alchemical Mm -hmm. vessel, and use that as a material for that change and that that transformation, right? As opposed to just saying, like, oh, my God, that was just an illusion, and just sort of amputating from that or just moving that away. It's like, how do I use that and work with that? Right. right. That's like that Scorpio fodder. And here we are talking about Venus and those personal planets. We also have Mercury joining in the mix a little bit later in the month because Mercury is going to be in Cancer. So here we have another planet coming in. What do you think Mercury is going to do to this equation? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? We had like Venus doing the dance with Jupiter and Neptune on like the first and the second, the beginning of the month. And then on the 19th and the 20th of this month of June, we have Mercury. Mercury occupying that place. Mm -hmm. Mercury being the messenger, the translator, the educator, right? And so in that too, maybe we get more understanding, Mm -hmm. right, of this um, 
new level of understanding that we've been mo- that we've been moving into you know maybe also our mind is infused with connection mm. to you know the subtle yes. you know to the esoteric yes. you know it's a great you know i think all time is a great time for dreams as you know i'm a little bit biased <laughs> on that way but mercury with with excuse me mercury with neptune and jupiter you know talk about opening up to the imaginal. Right. You know, so beautiful. And this occurs right at the Neptune station because Neptune turns retrograde on the 18th. So you have wow. Neptune turning retrograde on the 18th and then this grand trine with Mercury, Neptune, and Jupiter on the 19th and 20th. So those days, even a little bit before and after, you know, it's just this incredible ode also again to Neptune. And so we always like to say like some things to focus on and watch out for during Neptune stations. And also, what is a Neptune station? I realize well, I'm sort of <laughs> assuming that... Assuming well, Neptune station is where it, it becomes fixed before it goes retrograde. And um, yes, I you know, if we're talking about, you know, how to utilize this energy, what you brought it up with dreams, Stephanie, because cancer rules the realm of dreams. And so got Pisces, the imagination and the subconscious and cancer and dreams and the unconscious, Scorpio, you know, the deeper psyche and psychology. How rich is this? So to really take time, maybe, you know, Mercury writing down, journaling, you know, giving voice to whether, you know, your thoughts are through writings. What's what's becoming more apparent in that dreamscape? You know, very powerful time to be listening to your dreams. Yeah. And the Neptune station, right, like the Neptune turns directions. It turns retrograde once a year and direct once a year. And the days around that, a few days before, a few days after, when, you know, when a planet stations, it's thought that its archetypes and what it represents get really loud Mm. in our consciousness. So really to be on, you know, sort of on the lookout in a way, right, for Neptune themes. You know, everything from we're talking about the imaginal imagination and, and healing in dreams, but also, again, fogginess, cloudiness, <laughs> water overflowing, water. Yes. you know, boundaries dissolving. So just even on a practical level, like watch, you know, that things don't spill, you know, right. that don't overflow. Watch also like a heightened sensitivity to mm, right. Neptunian um, substances, right? Even right. whether it's caffeine or wine or what have you, that, you know, those things also that we may do to, quote, escape into yes. those Neptune realms, like watch a greater sensitivity to that. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're talking a lot about healing, which is interesting because there's another um, invitation this month from a different angle that also brings up to me, right? Like, and I know we've talked about this before, you know, that June is really this gorgeous time for healing. And that is that the planet, no, it's not a planet, actually, sorry, (laughs) the asteroid Hygieia, which is the asteroid of wellness, and wellness, moves into Aries on June 4th. So we're back to earlier in the month. Okay. And it will conjoin, come together with Chiron and Aries around that time. So 
this is interesting, Chiron, right? The wounded healer. Yes. You know, the place that within that has us look to say, oh, those ouch spots, those things within me that have caused me suffering or caused me sorrow. Mm. You know, I, I work to try to relieve them and release them. And maybe I can't necessarily heal myself, but I can heal myself of that through finding some level of peace mm-hmm. and also using that sense of my sorrow to be using that sense of sorrow to stand for another. Right. And, you know, when you've talked about Chiron before, I really like your take on it, Stephanie, about it's also about somehow completing the story. You know, it's like we all have that story of our wounding, you know. And so with Chiron, you know, the wound is going to be kind of in your face, especially in Aries, right? (laughs) And to be able to go in that and look at it, but not attach to it as a story. And they talk about Chiron also being a bridge, you know what I mean? That if you can go, that wounded healer, if you can go into that wound, it can actually bridge you into like your dharma or your greater purpose, right? I love the idea of hygiene 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 in this whole mix too because it's bringing in what more of the opportunity to heal more of the opportunity to be well how does how does that work yeah and so it make it makes me think right especially the first few days of the month right like mm-hmm. having the courage mm. right having the inspiration very aries to take the initiative very aries to have your sort of angle or avenue of taking care of yourself through actually looking at those spaces within you, right? Looking at that space of, you know, what is it that I might be resisting? You know, what is keeping me stuck? Mm. You know, what is there some space where I keep on sort of feeding, you know, my faults to fault, right? To Mm -hmm. keeping me down, right? Just this sense of like really going into the fire, Mm. very Aries, (laughs) of, you know, uncovering and saying, okay, like this does burn or this does hurt. But by opening to this rather than admonishing it, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than turning a blind eye to it, that there can be a new configuration that allows me to feel some peace. Right. Yes, absolutely. And the thing I love about the Aries piece is it's all about you right, with Aries. So maybe a part of that, too, is taking responsibility. Yes. You know, you're not. it's not like my mother did this to me and my father did this to me. It's like, hey, you know, at some point, and that's where the transformation happens, I have to take responsibility for where I'm at at this moment in my life, which is, again, so Aries. Yeah, which is so Aries. So right? really great thing to really, like, hold the perspective of as the month begins. And also just sort of a side note or a later note that actually both Hygieia and Chiron will retrograde back into Pisces and the two of them will come back together later this year twice, once on September 29th, the other one on December 21st around the solstice. They will come back together in Pisces. So this this whole notion of like how our mode of self-care is related to looking at the gifts and the wounds within ourselves will re- will come back, and we can talk about that when we get to those months. But you know, th- that will be in Pisces. It's different with areas like we have the fire, the initiative, the courage, right? 
It's fierce. Aries is fierce. fierce. It's like it's the warrior, you know. So the warrior that's going to conquer this, you know. I I find this really fascinating that this is going to be kind of a theme that we're going to be working with pretty much all year. And then, yeah, and we'll talk more about it when it shifts into Pisces and how that is a little bit different. Yeah. But it, it's going to be going on. It's going to be going on. So speaking about the solstice, the we actually solstice, have a yes. solstice here in June. Summer solstice. June 21st. What's your, like, well, what you do know, you think about I, the Well, you know, I love the solstice. You know what I mean? I think it's such a powerful time of year. And to me, the solstice is very much a time of renewal. It's very much a time of celebration, of ritual. I'd like to think of the, the solstice as a time of gratitude. You know what I mean? Where you really kind of take a moment and really celebrate the fruits of your labor all of your creations, whether those are big creations or small creations. And it's a time of like joining together with those that you love, you know, and just celebrating Mother Earth. So I I feel like it's a very bountiful time. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a very kind of celebratory time. And of course, it starts to initiate in the summer months, you know, where we think about being a little bit more relaxed and, you know, we don't work as hard and maybe we go on vacation and read some really great books. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, the summer for us here in the Northern Hemisphere and then the advent of winter for those in the Southern Hemisphere. So regardless, right, wherever you are, it is one of these points of extreme, mm-hmm. right? The sun mm-hmm. at the extreme. So in that turning of light and dark and dark to light. Right, right. So it's interesting, too, right, because this day, this year on the solstice, we also have the Venus... Mars opposition. Oh, that's right, of course. Our cosmic lovers are standing at the uh, each. They're standing at different <laughs> sides of the room, sort of the staring, ball room, right? Like are you staring them each yeah. other down. <laughs> and this year, it's it's that's also really interesting too, because not only does it happen on the solstice, but Venus and Mars are running with the nodes. Right, Mars is right. hanging out with the South Node in Aquarius, and Venus and Leo is hanging out with the North Node. Right. Right. So it feels like there's something about this what seems on first blush a standoff, mm-hmm. but invariably is about um, weaving together yes. seeming yes. opposites that also feels like it has a deeper level of gravity or destiny. Well, that's so interesting that you say that because, you know, it's pulling in those nodes, the nodes of the moon. And so if you think about that south node is kind of maybe a little bit more representing your karma or your past and the gifts that you bring into this lifetime. And then that north node representing more of your destiny, your north star, what you're aspiring to, right? So, you know, this is a very interesting dance. It's like, you know, if we can like somehow kind of make a mix of all this and find that balance point, that's kind of exciting. Right, the balance point between Venus. Again, like, what do I love? You know, how is their order? You know, What do I value? What do I value? Right. And Mars, you know, what do I desire? What turns me on? Especially in Leo, right? Yes, the Venus and Leo. Excuse me, Venus and Leo, which is so desirous, don't you think? 
Yeah, and the love of romance. Yes, yes. And I want flowers and I want chocolate. I want the whole nine yards. Because Leo loves to be recognized and Leo loves to be celebrated, you know. So what an interesting combination. And then, of course, the Aquarian energy is a little bit more universal, not quite as warm and fuzzy, right? And it's very much about the big picture and the collective. So, again, how are these energies going to come together for each of us? I think it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I mean, sort of like when we have eclipses, right, this last year. But again, you know, for the last year or so, we've been dealing with this polarity because the nodes have been in Leo and Aquarius, Mm -hmm. right? And like you said, right, like Leo very much about the recognition and it's about the individual, the specialty of the individual and Aquarius being about the collective. Like it's all together. We're banding together. (laughs) And how does the individual show up and maintain a place in the collective, but how does the collective not be usurped by having to, you know, sort of just give, you know, allegiance or adoration to each individual. Mm-hmm. So, right. it, and with Venus and Mars there, it feels like that's, again, part of the question, you know, or how do I recognize my unique self and the value of my creative contributions right and also my desire to use my energy and my action on behalf of something larger than me. Right, right. And you know, as you're talking, this reminds me of the whole concept of the age of Aquarius, right? And the age of Aquarius is, you know, the collective where we all come together, one planet, one God, but also with the individual unique gifts celebrated individually in service of the collective, right? So this lovely, you know, harmony between we all have Dharma, we all have gifts, so Leo, right? But we all want to celebrate that and be individuals, but we want it to be in service of the bigger picture and the collective. Yeah. feels really important to really, Mm -hmm. like it would be this gorgeous reminder of that. And remember when there's an opposition, right? It's this instinct we have to split. I'm going to choose Mars. Are you on Team Venus or are you on Team (laughs) Mars? Right? And how do you play both teams? Like, how do you say, like, I can align with and understand and get the gifts from Venus and Leo, but I can also, you know, sort of love and value, but also this, the Mars, you know, the action and and, and the will. Isn't that relationship, though? I mean, isn't that the dance of relationship where you have two you know, the opposite things that come together and they find some middle ground and you compromise and you, you know, sometimes you don't, but that's the dance, you know? It's totally the dance. And I feel like too, right, because Mars runs with the south node for many, many months that almost, you know, can we get a little bit of extra insight around the time of the solstice as to Mm -hmm. what's that about? I mean, the south node, like you say, karma Mm -hmm. in the past, the south node on some level, I think of Sometimes it's sort of like the vacuum cleaner that vacuums out that, which is like come to its expiration point, right? So what do you need to surrender maybe about like your, you know, how you do anger or what makes you frustrated or how you might be overly ambitious or overly forceful? What do you need to surrender for that so that you can hold the Mm -hmm. elevated Mm -hmm. Venus of creativity, of heart, of love? 
Right. And remember that Venus in Leo is very lion-hearted. You know, we yes. think about Leo sometimes as being so self-involved. Um, and I have Leo rising, so I can attest to that. But, you know, a higher octave of Leo is really very much about a generous heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's really the highest vibration of Leo shining that Leo light, you know, on others with a very generous heart. I think yeah. that's the whole idea of being lion-hearted. So to me, that's very uh, Leo in Venus. So beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Venus and Leo. Yes. Yes, that's what I meant. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, so Mars. So Mars, Mars continues. Yes. Mars continues because on June 26th, Mars goes retrograde, right? Mars goes retrograde every two plus years. So this doesn't happen all the time. This is actually a very special year because, of course, we always have Mercury retrograde every year. But we get the Mars retrograde and later in the fall, or I should say the spring for our friends down under, um, we have a Venus retrograde. Right. But so Mars goes retrograde on June 26th through, I believe it's August 27th. Um, Mars retrograde. What do you yeah, think you know, Mars I, retrograde? You know, I was thinking about Mars retrograde, and I, I think I was saying this uh, a little bit earlier. It's like uh, Mars is not happy in <laughs> retrograde. I mean, Mercury can deal with it, I think. But Mars, you know, that warrior that wants to make things happen and get up and, what, retrograde? What am I going to do in the retrograde, right? I think that, you know, it's going to be an Aquarius, which kind of, I think, gives it a little bit more of a context, maybe of like, maybe this is my opportunity to put other people before me and think about things for the greater good and not be just conquering for the sake of conquering, you know, just taking that step back. Yeah. Right. Because when Mars goes retrograde, like all the other planets, when they go retrograde, it's about going at a different pace, going in a different direction. And like you're saying, like Mars is like, wait, what? I'm supposed to go forward. You want me to stand still? Right. You want me to like so turn Mars. around? It's seemingly so on Mars. Right. And I think it's really important that we all really hold to the opportunity or the virtue, we can say, of this time or sort of get that cosmic memo that we need to be careful. It's not about moving forward and going and going and going and going and achieving outward. It's also about, wait a minute, I'm going in this direction. Now let me take these weeks to say, Mm -hmm. do I really want to go in that direction? Right. If I do want to go in that direction, is there another style with which I can approach it? Right. Right. It's this reevaluation of what I desire and how I actually go after what I desire. Yes. But yes. If, but if we keep on going in the go-to kind of way, invariably there's going to be blocks, there's going to be frustrations. Right. You know, that might be there, we could say, to point out to us, like, hey, this is a time of revising. Right. But if we can sort of go into that first with that awareness, I feel like it would be a lot easier. <laughs> we won't have to yeah, no, get I the lesson by be. hitting our head on the wall. Yeah, yes, especially with that Aquarius. And, I, you know, it's like I, what comes to mind is Mars. And, you know, sometimes the generals have to, like, go into the tent and do some planning before they initiate yes. the campaign. Yes. And so maybe this is a time where you kind of go into the tent and you look at the landscape and the maps and, you know, of what you're doing and do that reevaluation and move those little pieces uh, around the, the map, you know, the little battleships or whatever it is. Okay. Bingo. That's a great, great oh, thank you, image Stephanie. and analogy, right? Especially too, because it's 
it's Mars, right? right it's right. on the battlefield, right, right? Right. So how do you're moving forward, and all of a sudden you say, "Okay, everyone, gather around. Right. Like, let's go into this tent and let's actually like see is there another strategy that we can take, right? And not to look at the retrograde as like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to set my alarm for seven <laughs> weeks from now and wake up, and then like this is a wasted time. No, there's amazing things to learn. There's an amazing clarity, this time of refinement yes, so that yes. we can really get more clear as to, you know, we think we desire X. Right. But now during the Mars retrograde, it's we get this opportunity to say, do I really desire X? Right. Or is it just something, is it a fallback? Is it something that's been ingrained in me? Is it just a habit? Mm, so that's we a get good one. this clarity of that. Right. I think, you know, Value your retrogrades, people. I think that <laughs> Stephanie and I are just those retrogrades are whatever planet. They're very, very powerful. I think it's so unfortunate that they get so much bad press out there. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe before going in, you know, before the retrograde to, to really say like, okay, this is a time for me to learn about how I fuel myself, where I actually get fuel to have the energy to pursue what it is that I love, that I aspire to, and that I'm going to learn during this time insights that will allow me to refine this right. moving forward. Right. Now, that said, as we talked about with this, you know, any station, with the Neptune station, so around June 26th, the Mars station, you're turning retrograde, Mars will be very loud. So, okay. you know, okay. there may be, you know, Mars, to know. you know, sort of the drum beats of mm-hmm. war, whether it be actually, hopefully not on the external mm. world stage, but also that sense of war or fighting right. within ourselves. You know, I would definitely watch things like, I would say swords, but how many people have swords? Knives. <laughs> That's our modern day sword. <laughs> Knives and fire, right? And just being careful about, you know, the theme of Mars cutting, right? Be careful. Just be really thoughtful and go slow in your actions. Yes. Yes. Slow in your, because Mars is so action. Slow in your action. That's really good. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that Marsy uh, aspect when we get to the tarot card of the month, which we'll be doing in just a couple minutes. Yes. And just to give another shout out, I know that we talked about this last month, but I just... I'm so personally just intrigued by this whole thing, right? That with Marge going retrograde, it does square Uranus three times over the next right. handful That's of months. Right. Whereas it's usually every year or so, but we actually had the square on May 15th. We'll have another one on August 1st and the last one on September 19th. So not necessarily to talk about that again. No, but that's a very, that's really significant. I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very volatile kind of moment, a very heady, volatile moment, and just really, you know, being careful about being reactionary and being aware. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up. So then we thought we would talk about, of course, we want to talk about the lunations of the month. There's a new moon in Gemini on the 13th. Yes. Um, Thoughts on a Gemini Well, you know, again, we were talking about planets and what they like and what they don't like. I think the new moon likes being in in Gemini because, you know, they say new moon, new beginnings. And Gemini is all about being open and curious and spontaneous and, you know, uh, really about communication. So, you know, I think a new moon in Gemini just sounds like a time to me where it's just really about being open and giving yourself permission to explore and be curious, connect. I bet it's a really, in my mind, kind of a talkative moon. 
Yes, don't you think? <laughs> Very verbal moon. Very verbal moon. <laughs> Very and and the beginnings of that, right? Like right. new beginnings in curiosity, yes. and understanding, and education. I think it can also help us to better understand when we have parts of ourselves that are like, I like this, and but then there's that, but then there's right. that, as opposed to splitting that off to say, Hey, how can I synthesize the variety of what I'm interested in? Like mm-hmm. that to me is Gemini is it's about the twins but it's not about this twin and this twin don't see each other right. or they don't relate. It's about what is the synthesis, what is the unity point between the two. Right, and with the new moon, it's always bringing in a deeper layer of consciousness. You know, that's what those new moon, full moons, all those moon energies are about and why it's, you know, it's important to pay attention to them, right? Exactly. So that starts us off in terms of the lunation, and then we have on the 27th, we have a Capricorn full moon. So yes. we're in cancer season at that time, Capricorn full moon. Thoughts about well, that? Well, Capricorn full moon, you know, Capricorn, I, you know, I remember when I was studying natal astrology and when we were studying the moon, one of the things we learned was that the moon wasn't always happy in Capricorn. You know, the moon likes to flow and emote and feel and express. And Capricorn, you know, the drill sergeant that says, you know, stand up straight and, you know, mind your manners and do everything right. And the moon is more fluid and flowy. So, you know, every, uh, you know, every placement has, you know, it's upside and it's not so upside. <laughs> you know, I think moon, full moon and Capricorn, good time to get things done, right? Right. Definitely. Good time to get things done. And also to see, like, what are you, you know, where's your duty? Right. And maybe it's also your duty to your family, your duty to feeding yourself, nourishing yourself, nourishing others. Yes. Yes. So taking care of business. Right. And that is it's interesting, though, because right. Full moons are times of illumination, but Mm -hmm. also this notion of trying to rectify seeming conflict because of the opposition's. And this is the 27th, which is the day after Mars goes retrograde. So that also feels like a real sort of potent, energetic time. Right, right, right. You know, and I also think, you know, looking at your structures, like are these structures strong? Do they hold? Yeah, like, does my house, thinking about cancer is like the house, too, like, how are the structures? How is the foundation of my home? Right. Literally, the, the... My sacred space. My sacred space, right. Yes. Are those, are those solid? Yes. Yes. So what about the tarot card? Oh, I'm so excited. I love the tarot card of the month. And what we do for the tarot card is uh, Stephanie and I pick it at random right before we do the podcast. And what was really interesting is the card that we chose is the two of wands. The suit of wands in the trope represents fire. And every tarot card has uh, an astrological definition. And the astrological definition for the two of wands is actually, get this, Mars in Aries. We've been talking so much about Mars and Mars energy. And what the two of wands represents, twos to me are numbers of relationship and commitment. Now in the sign of a wands, which represent the self, right? The wands are very much the drama of life and growth and creativity. It's really making that commitment to yourself and standing in it. And what the two of wands says is don't make change for change sake. Don't, you know, uh, do make a choice that you 
you're not ready to make. It's very much a time Mars and Aries harnessing your power. I often describe it like, here we are talking about sword analogy, as like forging steel or a sword in the heat of a flame, right? And it becomes stronger and it becomes something that's very powerful. So this card represents a time of harnessing that energy and really standing for your desires and really being kind of selfish about that. Like, I will act when I'm ready to act, when it feels right. So it's a very powerful card in that Mars standing for yourself, cultivating your energy for just the right moment. Mm, Which is interesting because it yields that sense of patience. I don't know if it's it's patience or is it also just like that trust in when the time is right is when the time is right to move, right? Right. There may be a way of sort of using that perspective to help us move through that Mars retrograde. I don't know. know, There's some connection that I'm not getting. I know. I think that works really well together. And Mars and Aries are not patient at all. In fact, they actually talk about with this card about it's an opportunity to find centeredness, right? So maybe that's part of the power, you know what I mean, is, you know, by, you know, it's like standing still for a minute, harnessing that power, finding a new center in it. To me, that would be, you know, a really great way to work with the energy of the two of wands. Yeah, and it fits so well in with this with the month. That also fits really well in terms of something that I wanted to share. You know, thinking about the sense of orienting to our wellness. You know, I was listening on my drive in to the podcast, Speaking of Jung, and James Hollis, you know, who's one of these very esteemed Jungians, was being interviewed by the host, Laura. And he said many things that were very interesting to me, but the two that really came to me that I thought I wanted to share was this. One was related to what we were just talking about, center. And he said something to the effect of, you know, that we look at, can I have a center within myself? that gives me a sense of grounding and direction and inner gravitas. You know, Mm. where is that center? And he said that in context of this, which he said, it is the nature of nature to change. Yes. And so thinking about this too, right, in this times of change, which really invariably, it's always a time of change. Yes. Right? Yes. Can we find a reduced sense of anxiety, right, by... A, accepting that is the nature of nature. It is the nature of nature to change, but that within that, to find a way to navigate that, that we find that center yes. within ourselves. Yes. That gives me a sense of grounding, gives us a sense of direction, gives us a sense of inner gravitas to root mm. and to orient. So that is so good. I mean, isn't that just like the perfect little kind of wrap up of the whole month of June and all these things that are happening? I think that's amazing. Amazing. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Stephanie. I always love the month with you. Yeah, I love our conversations. It's so much fun. So tell our listeners where they can get a hold of us at So Divine. So you can find So Divine on Apple Podcasts, as well as on my website, stephaniegaling.com, and on Megan's, which is? meganskinner.com. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at sodivineventures at gmail.com. 
Stay in touch with us throughout the month. You can find, write to me at my website. I'm at Instagram or on Instagram, I should say, Stephanie underscore Galing. And you are on Instagram at? Megan Sees. Uh, Megan with S-E-E-S at the end. Yeah. And so let us know there or via email, like your thoughts about the podcast, what else you might want us to explore. And we both post a lot throughout the month. So there's always a lot of good tips and ideas there for you on the social media. Yeah. And of course, we want to thank our producers, Nick Patry and Sebastiano Tecchio, as well as a big shout out to the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios here in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle, which is where we do the podcast. Yes. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next month on So Divine. See you next month.